welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast of West Tennessee Healthcare. I'm your host, Kara Mobley, and on today's episode, I have with me Dr. Adam Summerlin and Dr. Julie Miller with Jackson Radiology Associates. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, Dr. Summerlin is the Medical Director of Radiology, and Dr. Miller is our Director of Breast Imaging Services. Now, Dr. Summerlin has been here before, but this is Dr. Miller's first time here. It is. That's right. Uh, We wanted to use this opportunity to kind of talk about a new uh, member of our team here dedicated to breast imaging and some of the things that we're doing in that area to improve community health and community outcomes uh, and access. And so we appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, introduce Julie. Great. So, Dr. Summerlin, on our last episode, this was back in 2022, it was about mammography self-referral, and I will be linking that episode into our show notes, so if anyone wants to listen back on that podcast, they can. So today we wanted to um, just kind of check in with you guys. Dr. Summerlin, how have you been since we've last met? Been great. We've been very busy, and I don't know if it was word from the podcast or just the growth in the community that everybody's seen. Um, maybe some deferred screenings during COVID, but um, volumes are definitely up and we're looking at going toward uh, coming up on the uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month right. uh, in October. And so just wanting to make sure that everybody's getting those scheduled and you don't wait till the end of the year and you run out of time to, right, to get right. everything fit in. Definitely. So, Dr. Miller, you are new with Jackson Radiology Associates. We wanted to get to know you. How long have you been in radiology? Um, How did you get or how long have you been here? with? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I came here in February, started the end of February with Jackson Radiology. Prior to that, I've been a dedicated breast imager for 24 years. Wow. Spent a lot of my practice in Lexington, Kentucky and in Orlando, Florida. Right. Yeah. So... Moved up here to kind of be the permanent breast person in the chair every day. Right, yes. And help Adam, who had a big job trying to hold that down by himself. Um, right. That's about it. So how has it been for you so far? Have you it's, been liking it? I love it, but it was a very tough learning curve up front, learning oh, all bless. the people and learning, like you said, all the people and all the equipment and all the different programs. That was the hardest. Yeah, just getting. getting... Just figuring out who's who and what goes where. But, right. Um, yeah, it's been great. So I know we Great. So I know we've talked about mammography self-referrals in the past, but I wanted to talk to you guys about if people maybe aren't quite sure, what is radiology? What does a radiologist do? Yeah, I can take that. So radiologists are physicians, medical doctors, went through all the same training as uh, same basic training as all the other specialists and in, in family practice and uh, internal medicine, all of those sorts of things. It's just that our particular way of examining patients is through imaging instead of using our hands and you know stethoscopes and that sort of thing so we use either x-rays or ultrasounds um, mr machines to evaluate the body to look at the tissues inside and try to figure out what's going on to provide that information back to whoever those treating uh, providers are Right. So, I mean, it would be anything from like if you broke your ankle or if you were needing a yep. head scan or something. From prenatal to end of life and from benign care all the way to cancer and oncology. It covers the full spectrum. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, because we're pretty much involved in the care of every patient that goes to the ER or goes to the hospital. Right, right. Um, so that's very important to have. So what brought you into radiology? Well, well, that's what I liked about it. I like having the diversity of practice to be able to see everything from little kids and babies. Uh, I just did a hip ultrasound over here uh, at the hospital today and then go and take care of moms and, you know, 
um, whether it's problems related to breastfeeding and and mastitis or mm-hmm. breast cancer. And then you get to take care of the husbands and their prostate disease and identify that or kids and they have a cough. And so I get to see everybody across the whole community. And I just, for me, that helps me not to get bored, not to get bogged down, to get to do a lot of different things. Right. So you're more focused on kind of a wide variety. And Dr. Miller, you've mm-hmm. chosen to, to really specialize in. Yes. Yes, because I grew up, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was pregnant with me. So my whole youth, I spent dealing with oncologists Mm -hmm. and all those things. So for some reason, and I'm very visual and art inclined. So when I rotated through radiology, I fell in love with it. But I felt super happy and comfortable in the breast center. That's where I'd spent so much time. And it's just kind of a female bonding kind of thing and teamwork. And I just loved it. So that's kind of where I subspecialize. Right. Yeah. And that kind of brings me into a question I would just want to briefly touch on is why is it so important to be screened? Well, obviously, we screen so that we can find things as small as possible with the least invasive treatment and the best outcomes. So it's pretty important. We see a lot of breast cancer. And we you know, we're seeing it in the 30s, 40s, 50s. So mm-hmm. that's why we've got to get the word out to about high risk patients and getting them plugged in early and things like that. Okay. So for high risk screenings, kind of t- t- talk to me a little bit about that. What is a high risk screening? Who, who would who would need to that? know about? Yeah. Okay. So there's different models that do risk assessment on patients. We tend to use the TC model or, or IBIS, IBIS is what it's called, but essentially it's the most thorough, but the most time intensive. But It takes everything from family history to history of biopsies to previous diagnoses to chest radiation. I mean, it literally takes in a lot of things. And at the end, it produces a number, um, which would be your risk score. If you're 20% and above, you're high risk. If you're 18 to 19.9, you're intermediate. And everybody else is average risk. So the the thing about the high-risk screening is we've got to get people in their 20s 20 to 25, seeing a doctor who does a risk assessment and figures out if they are high risk, because a lot of those screening things start at 25 and 30. Right. But if they haven't done anything until they show up for their mammogram at 40, you know, we missed that 15 year window. So that's one of the big things is to have that risk assessment score done on young women. And even if you're 35 and you've never had it done, do it now, because if you're high risk, we need to, we need to get started on some other stuff. So would you need to go maybe to a gynecologist or, or how would you find out how if getting a high risk screen right. is right is what you would need to do? The most common way that most women are going to fall into that, if, if they know they have extensive family history, they can tell their OBGYN oh, right, right. and the OBGYN says, OK, you're going to be high risk. Let's send you to a surgeon who is very interested or manages high risk patients. The other possibility is that the GYN says, okay, let's do a risk assessment and score and see where you're at. And a lot of them have, have been educated and know how to access those, those models in order to plug the information right. in, and they could determine, okay, the patient's 25% lifetime risk. I need to get her to the radiologist or get her to the surgeon, somebody to get her plugged in to get the right studies. For these women who are high risk, we have sort of standard risk screening with mammography that has been around for 30 years and everybody knows what that is but what does high risk we talked about what that is but like what does it mean in terms of their imaging or their follow-up gotcha. what do we do for them so if the patient like let's say she's 24 years old gyn or whoever determines she's high risk those patients generally start annual mri screening at 25 and they start mammos at 30 so that's a, a totally different than the average person walking in at age 40. Right. The other thing that gets a little bit, that kind of messes those numbers up is if you need to go 10 years earlier than your first diagnosed relative. So if your mother had breast cancer at 35, you screen at 
25. If okay. your sister had breast cancer at 31 and you're 21, well, you're on the hook now. So it just everybody's a little bit different, but in general, 10 years earlier or in that 25 to 30 high risk, you know, where they just determined either from genetics or whatever that they're high risk. Yeah. Could you give any advice to anyone on, you know, if they're nervous about this, like if there's anything that they can do to prepare or anything that, that would you maybe think would be helpful to know, having seen so many different people, what it's like or... I can just imagine that maybe if somebody's never had one, that they would be nervous. Of, oh, like, you mean what? a mammogram or an MRI? Yeah, um, a mammogram. Well, you know, things have gotten so much better than they used to be. The the paddles are have more of a curved angle. The pressure is very steady and gentle. Okay. So it's not, it's not painful per se. It just feels like heavy pressure. Yeah. So my biggest advice to people if they have a lot of trouble with their mammogram is don't come when you're premenstrual. And your breasts are killing you. <laughs> right, right. Um, don't come then. Come a different time. Schedule it at a different Schedule time. At a different right. time. Or, you know, you can always go the other route of taking Tylenol or Motrin, you know, two or three hours okay. before your mammogram. Um, but it's really not like it used to be. It's pre- it's actually not a big deal for most women. There are a few women who find it really uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. the majority, it's very doable. Right. And you said, so for high risk, you would want to get those annually. Those high risk people, like I said, if you're high risk, depending for a lot of these women, they would start their mammograms at 30, not 40, but they would start MRI at 25. Okay, um, yeah. And so one of the things for people, let's say you're 43, you walk in, you're high risk, you have your mammogram, you have all your workup. The one thing that would get added to your report and your recommendations is annual high risk screening MRI. So right. that's the one layer of imaging that's not generally for the public unless they're high risk or there's right. some indicator. So and now, if I could add a oh, couple sure. things to that, yep. too. It's not like if you're high risk, you do MRI and everything else just goes away. These are additive tests because just like we talked about earlier, we use imaging to sort of interpret what's going on in the body. But different imaging techniques and methods have different strengths and weaknesses. And so we use mammograms in particular to identify calcifications which are very common in particular subsets of breast cancer and architectural distortion and we use mri to identify particular more using the uh, contrast to identify enhancing masses and lesions in the breast and characterize those and so these are things that are additional benefits and not and not replacement of one or the other yeah, because a lot of women will ask, well, if MRIs are very sensitive, why can't I just skip my annual mammogram? And it's for exactly what he's talking about. Two of the three ways we find cancer are pretty much mammogram-based. So okay. you would not want to skip your mammogram. But then we use, then they're like, well, then why do I need an ultrasound? Well, ultrasound helps us clarify and characterize some of the stuff we're seeing. So those two together... You know, if you have a negative mammogram and a negative ultrasound, that's like 96 percent. I mean, that's good. That's great. Right. Yeah. Um, especially when you're matching ultrasound with a 3D mammo. Those are very, right. very good together, very sensitive together. But as Adam said, you never want to just have ultrasound for your breast screening because that's, although it sounds great in theory, it's you would miss so much that we don't recommend right. it. I mean, we do have some patients who absolutely refuse mammography and that's all their provider has to offer them. So we'll do it. But it's not, it's not ideal. It, it, it's not a good protective layer. So as far as diagnostic screenings, we want to talk about a little bit about that as well. So what would a diagnostic imaging screening be? So, so far we've been talking about screening mammography in the patient that it's for and what some of those modalities are. Screening means I don't have a problem. We're looking sort of like preventative maintenance to see if there's a problem that we can detect early. 
But some patients, um, whether it's, you know, they have something young or they have health problems and other issues and they've missed a couple years and they come in, but they come in because they found something in their breast, whether that's on clinical exam or they've noticed a change um, in their nipple or they've gone to the doctor and, you know, the doctor did a breast exam and he feels something suspicious. And so now we're not just screening, we're also doing focused evaluation of whatever that abnormality is that you're presenting with. And that is a diagnostic workup. And for all of the diagnostic workups, a physician has to be involved on the front end, ordering that study and sort of taking responsibility for that. And then they send them to send their patients to us to, to work up. And we come in and we apply the same basic techniques with maybe a few caveats in there that we don't need to get into, but we apply those same basic techniques to assess the whole breast, but also specifically that area of abnormality. And at the end of the day, we make a decision like, is it completely benign? Is it something that's cancer or is it something in between that we're going to have to do additional evaluation of? And, uh, and, what, where exactly that falls is all communicated with the patient that day. So you come in and it might be a quick in and out thing because it, it's just nothing and it goes mm-hmm. away. Or you might be there for a couple of hours getting everything worked up and talking to the provider and going to a different d- section within breast imaging to get an ultrasound or whatever. Right, because sometimes to, we have to you know, see us. we need a special view and then maybe that doesn't quite solve it. We need something else. Then maybe they go to ultrasound. You know, so there's many different components. So that's a very labor intensive thing for both us as radiologists and for the patient. But right. everything gets solved while they're there for the most part. They know the answer when they leave. Oh, okay. If they need a breast biopsy, I talk to every single patient and tell them what I'm recommending and why, answer their questions so they don't leave out not knowing what's happening. Right. That was a question I had. It was um, kind of what's the turnaround time for those testing? They should know. When they when they have a diagnostic mammogram, they will know that day okay. what the plan is. If it's a screening mammogram, technically there's 30 days to read them. We don't take 30 days to read them. So usually they get a letter about a week later that says it's benign, see you next year, or come back in six months, or we need you back for additional time, or whatever. You know, yeah. You for additional if it's time. not if it's benign, you they would t- get the letter, mm-hmm. and if it is something, it would. I think it's a call to make the. Appointment. You would get a yeah. You would. Mm-hmm. It right. says an abnormality has been found, and we need you to come back for additional testing. Right. And then you, your doctor would get a copy of that, and that's how you'd come back to us for that diagnostic workup. And so out of maybe it's useful to explain a little bit, but so screenings, when you come in just off the street for a screening mammogram, you can do that with an order from your doctor, or you can just walk in and schedule one. You can call the phone number for scheduling and say, I'd like to schedule a screening mammogram, and they'll get you taken care of. That day you come in, and that's a relatively quick process. You come in, and the imaging takes 10 minutes, and they get you dressed, and you go home. So, So it's a relatively quick thing. We then, on the back end, get those images, and we read those images, again, usually within a day or two. And then the letter has to be printed and you know stuffed in an envelope, all that stuff, and then it goes out about a week later. So you'd get those results. Um, and so that that's the way that that screening workflow uh, or that process happens. And then the diagnostics, you're there and you're interacting with multiple different people, technologists and providers, and you have an answer before you go home that day. And so it is a it is a different process, but it's an interactive process. It's more like we were talking about, like a physician 
interacting with the patient, but also using the images to figure out what's going on. Right. And so it's supplementing that imaging part with also the clinical interaction to provide the best care. Right. It's such a, like, you don't really ever, as a patient, you don't really ever see a radiologist, but it's such an important part of of a full workup of, of care for someone for, right. for really so many different things. I would say you're not really ever too young. If there's any family history at all, then you're you as the patient are in the driver's seat and you can talk to your provider and and work that up. You can educate yourself so that you can be your own best advocate. And then, you know, we'll follow the steps uh, in the in that process of at what point do you need to enter screening? Are you in the regular population and wait till 40 or is it high risk and we need to do something sooner? Missing screenings is is uh, people who miss screenings. um, That's that's the biggest problem mm-hmm. that we have is getting the word out. And so not just you, but like your friend group, your church group, your family reunions, um, your coworkers, um, all of those ladies in your life would benefit from screening mammography. And one last thing while we're talking, just he made me think of this when he said that breast cancer in men. Mm. So obviously women know that if they have a symptom, if there's something's wrong with the nipple or the skin or there's puckering or they can feel something, they mm-hmm. know something's wrong for the most part. A lot of men think that they can't get breast cancer. So a lot of men get diagnosed later because everybody's like, oh, it's a cyst. It's a Men shouldn't have any of that stuff. So if a man has any clinical concerns, anything that he can feel, anything different. Don't just write it off. Don't just write it off. Come in, come see us. We'll, we, I mean, strangely enough, we do do that. We do do mammography on males. And the last few years, I've had several cancers, so they need to be on top of it, too. And, of course, if you have a male family relative with breast cancer, uncles, brothers, you're already high risk. Right. So it doesn't even matter what that risk assessment score is. You're already in the high risk category. So that's just another factor. Men don't really or people don't really think about breast cancer in men as. Right. And and these are resources that are available. Like like you said, the patient mm-hmm. is able to to say, hey, I want to get this, that it's not just something a doctor has to mention to you before you start thinking about it. But Mm -hmm. you, and especially knowing your own family history, you have the resources to get checked, to get screened, to find out, you know, before it's too late or or to check it preventatively. So it may not, I don't know if it's too much for this, but you can just Google um, Tyra Cusick um, or breast cancer risk assessment and there are online calculators and you can yeah. put in your own stuff and you can take that to print it off and take it to your right. doctor's office and say, hey, I did this. Can you double check my work and make sure that this is right? Because I'm concerned. Right. And it I gives you a starting point for that conversation. Yeah. And I could definitely link that in the show notes as well. And, so people will have that link. And to that, be able to go that to. risk assessment score, the, it's called Tyrer, T-Y-R-E-R. It's kind of a weird word. Yeah. C-U-S-I-C-K. That's good. I'm glad you spelled it because that will help me when I Because everybody's it looking up Tyler and, and trying to figure it out. But yeah. Right. And go online and do it yourself and figure it out and two other quick resources to plug the society of breast imaging um, is a wonderful place to go and they have i think a subset of that called um in the confusion dot org or dot com i don't remember but we can put it in the show notes so anyway in the confusion dot org has a bunch of resources both about the the screening process, the screening guidelines, what the recommendations are, but also education about what is a mammogram and how does it work and what is that experience like and all the other high risk parts as well. Right. So that's a wonderful place to Just sharing to go that information. Yeah. To educate. Yeah. To educate yourself. 
Right, exactly. So within the Jackson-Madison County area, our imaging center phone number is 731-541-8850 if you want to call to schedule a screening. Or if you're within the West Tennessee area outside of Jackson-Madison County, um, you can contact your local community hospital. They also have resources for, for imaging right there in those areas as well. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing some information and hopefully have you guys back um, to to share more information about radiology, screenings, diagnostics, and how all those play a part in taking care care of you. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to We Talk Health. This podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic, you can reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com.